uh, on the far east side, and uh, it's still raining. It's got a complete cover over Tucson right now, so I guess everybody's just getting it. But, you know, I got a question for you. When you're out there, now, what are you seeing now? Because most people, they don't realize that you can go through a little wash and float these cars or big cars with a big four-wheel drive, these big balloon tires. By the way, the way they get to be balloon tires is lots of air. Air does not sink. So um, what's going on out there with the driving, Jim? Oh, it's, it's mayhem. It's like that Allstate commercial driving around. It's it's crazy. Um, it's people are you know it's people are, it first started out because we don't get much rain in Tucson, Arizona. Although now you'd think we lived in Missouri or something place where they we where we get twenty inches a, a month because that's what we're on track for. I think uh, it's, it's you know it's 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 no longer a dry heat, Jerry. It's a hot muggy heat when it's here, <laughs> but. Um, the uh, uh, people are a little frustrated with driving, you know. So they 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 get you know you you take situations um, at face value until you decide that you're tired of them, and then you just forget it. I'm just going through. So we've seen a kind of an uptick and upswing hit in people in, stuck in in uh, washes or actually just even even little streams. And and by yeah. the way, it's not just individuals. Professionals do it too. Uh, we've had professional drivers, you know, uh, people from local municipalities who get stuck as well, um, either because they don't think that you know they're they are they are bound by the rules of of running rivers, or they don't think that the mud's going to be there. They don't they don't know. But um, I just passed this. I was just going to drive down a street, and the water was running across it. It was about at least a foot deep, and it was moving probably at 50 miles an hour, and I rolled up to it, and now mind you, it's a little dark out here, and I said, whoa, that's that's pretty, that's moving pretty quick, I gotta turn around, because uh, I didn't want to have to be calling the show from, you know, from the car stuck in the wash, that would have been a bad day in, in Shiprock, um, <laughs> but, you know, uh, we, we've done quite a few jobs, it's, um, it's funny, well, it's not funny, it's, it's, it's interesting, because um, we did a job with a, a woman who had a a little Ford car, and she followed a Jeep through a wash. Now, mind you, the Jeep was a, had 37-inch tires and had, you know, a 6-inch lift kit with a 4-inch body lift. It was set up for, mm-hmm. you know, four-wheel and rock climbing, whatever, and he drove through the wash and didn't think anything about it. Okay, I get it. It's his choice. But so she followed him and immediately drove in, and what happened? Well, she fell off the edge of the road because the road had washed away, because the water had cut the sides of the road, so her her whole the nose of her car was stuck in the water, you know, basically. So as it as she drove in, it it stuck and then slid on down. So the back wheels are kind of up Ooh. in the air. And what was her response? Well, the guy in front of me made it. So just because the guy in front makes it doesn't mean you can make it. So don't do it. Just don't do it. Had a couple others where. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. We we talk about rain on, and water flowing, but and we talk a little bit about the as the water flows. It's not it's not clear water. You know, it's not that blue clear water. Water probably like what you saw back east, Jerry. Those nice streams where the water's clear and you can see all the way to the bottom. The water here is all right. dirty. 
because it's flowing mud, right? Well, we've driven, everybody's driven on the streets today where there's dirt on the road, right? You've, you've been on the road where there's dirt. You see the city sweepers out there sweeping oh, yeah. crazy because the, the, the dirt is actually on the roadway now. Well, that happens where the water crosses, the wash crosses the road. So as you're driving, even though it, that water looks perfectly smooth, you drive and there's a big berm in the middle. I did a couple where they actually got high centered on the berm in that was in the wash where the water had ran because as they drove through the water wasn't moving very quickly and it wasn't it wasn't really deep but it was just deep enough to hide the berm and so as you drove over there you were high centered on the berm which was interesting oh my gosh. I, I was like oh well that's a good one so now you're stuck in the middle of the wash with and you can't get out and and you know people everybody thinks. They can, but you can't walk on water. The only one guy I know that ever did that, and it's not me. So don't don't think that the, <laughs> your car can walk over the top of that stuff. <laughs> the um, I know that the when you uh, go to a place that doesn't have a bridge or even a pavement, and if it does have a pavement going across like Tank Verde does, uh, you can drive down, you can go across the pavement, but it's hard to see where the pavement is when it's running now when the water goes over the solid pavement and drops off the side that the water's flowing to it creates a like a ditch i mean it just creates a a wall that you slide that car off of or if you miss it when you're driving through uh you have no road i mean there is no road at the on the other side of that pavement so you get off in that and you get in trouble and then you got a call and of course, you got to remember: don't panic while you're there, but you have no business there anyway. When in doubt, turn around, people. I mean, I do it. I do it all the time. The other thing that we've got to consider is: I don't know how hard the wind blew, blew last night. You probably don't know. Uh, maybe it dropped some power lines down that nobody knows about yet. Or uh, I know of on Speedway they've been replacing poles for the last. Like a month, they've been replacing poles going out there. Some of them, are, I've seen one that was been over on uh, Escalani that uh, it looked like a, it, it was bowed over. It looked more like a bow for a bow and arrow. And I'm going, wow. So you don't know what's laying out there. You don't know what's come across. You don't know what that water has brought into the middle of the road. If you want to hit a a rock about as bigger uh, bigger than a basketball, just uh, and if you think your car will go over a basketball, that's one thing. But that Jeep that that lady followed in there, he's got a high center. If you're low, the water hits the door panels and stuff. That's what moves that car across, and that's what helps move it with the water because you're trying to dam up the water that's coming across. That big four before she followed across, it's got four tires on it. It's got about uh, probably a maximum of 18 inches on a tire that's actually creating that dam to hold the water back. He's got four. He's got the high clearance. He don't have the body in the water to uh, have the water push it along. And you don't follow these <laughs> these raised big vehicles because they got a lot more weight than you. They will push it on down. They, these big tires they've got on are designed to run in water, so they shed the water instead of hydroplane over them like you do. 
And just that's that's a bad choice. You see one go through, say, hey, yay, you made it. I'm going to turn around. <laughs> that's, because that's true. He's going on out. He probably haven't noticed that you've been that you're floating downstream because he's too busy driving out the other side. So that's correct. <laughs> but you know, I got called on a job the other day. The 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 gentleman was driving and he want he approached a, a river. Um, um, it was actually the CDO wash, and um, he found somebody who was stuck. So he was going to be Samaritan Sam and pull them out. Right, so he got out his little tow cable um, and went to hook it up to the car. I, I, I'm assuming he, it was a car, maybe even a truck. Anyways, um, he went to hook it up, and then he realized that the water had started to rise, which would have been his first clue to leave. You know, okay, I've lost get the you. people out of out of their car and leave. But he didn't, so he he turned around or he pulled up. Hello, he ESP. There we go. All right, I lost you for just a second there. Oh, sorry. So, where'd you all lose right, me that's at? all right. Go ahead. I lost okay, you so, when the guy was uh, going to hook up a cable. So Samaritan Sam was going to hook up his little tow strap to the truck, and, and with his pickup truck, he was going to pull his truck, pull their truck out. Well, so he he mm-hmm. he realizes his tow cable's too short, so he gets back in his vehicle and he backs up. Then he. He realizes he can't find his tow cable now because it's either floated away or it's you know sunk in the water. Um, somebody mm-hmm. from the other side comes and pulls pulls the other car out, and by now the water's too too rough, running too hard, and he tries to go and he can't. So as he he starts to go, it floats the vehicle, floats an F one hundred and fifty, and it starts going down. It starts turning, and off the road it goes, and then he he bails. He gets out of the truck and leaves. And now the F-150 is going down the wash, right? Rolling upside down, down, rolling over and over down the wash. So Jesus the point Christ. of the story is, would you want to be Samaritan Sam? That's fine. But did you want to trade your $20,000 truck for to be a hero? Uh, I'm pretty sure the guy was not, you know, excited about the fact that he lost his truck. Because where's he going to get one? Heck, I don't know. Maybe call Brian over at Lens Auto Brokers. Maybe he could get himself a new one. There ain't many out there today. <laughs> I don't have to tell you. But, you know, I, I get it. If people want to be helpful, but, you know, know your limits. And if you don't know, call somebody. Call a professional. Call call fire. Call police. You know, they they know, even though they get stuck too. But they, you know, don't don't be playing around in the water thinking that, it's, you know, you're absolved from its mystical powers. Search, search and rescue. Search and rescue. I mean, I was back east for a couple of weeks, and while I was back there, I think I was like 12 or 13 search and rescue. I've got that uh, special uh, alert that comes over my cell phone. Even when the cell phone is turned off, it comes across. And after watching all of that, you know, we, we run into this every year, and when search and rescue personnel are deployed to get people out of a jam because the flash flooding, flash flooding will flat take your butt out. I mean, there's walls of water uh, measured coming down Sabino or Tankerverde Falls that run 14, 18 feet. It comes down, it's running about 50, 60 miles an hour. And if you're on the other side, guess what? All you do is go to higher ground and just call somebody. Hopefully, you got a cell phone with a live battery. 
because this this water will get a hold of you and it take you any place that it wants to take you and there's nothing you're going to do about it. You know, people say, well, I'm going to hang on to a tree. Yeah, you can hang on to a tree for a few minutes until they rip the tree out of the ground. And uh, so, no, just pay attention. But it's historically dangerous when search and rescue people, tow truck companies come out to get you out of a jam because that big truck, whatever they bring, how are they going to hook it up? I mean, how do you hook a truck up, Jim? How do you hook a truck up when you go go out in the water and get it? Oh, so so now now you're now you're a scuba diver. So so it's it's not just you got to go out and assess the situation. Just like you, Jerry, when you go out and do horse recovery, you don't just walk up there. You have to stop and look and and figure out how to get to it. You know, if the water's running and that truck's out there in the middle of the water and you can't get to it. So be it. It's there. And not a lot I can do about it. I'll wait till the water recedes. It's it's just a vehicle. Nobody's inside. Nobody's gonna get hurt. Let it go. It's fine. Um but if you're so for example, let's say it's not too bad. You rolled across the, the road and you got high centered or or the water pushed you off like you said. You know, if the county has this um had had used to build roads with holes in them, you know, with culvert pipes in them, and realized that that was a mistake because it just created a big dam, and then it would flood everything. So now they actually dig the roads right. down below the the, wa- the 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 wash level and let the sand dump over them, and then go clean them off. It's just, I, it didn't right. it didn't occur to me until I saw it one day, thinking, oh, they made it low for a reason, so the water would just flow over, and it didn't just road, you know, they wouldn't save a lot of money fixing the road. But you're right, the water right. gets um, the water takes the creates that that uh, big drop ditch on the other side so let's say you get you you're driving along and you slide off because maybe it's muddy maybe you know or you can't see and, and you're in the hole so now your vehicle's half covered in water so now you got to get underneath the car and figure out how to hook it now so so you gotta the problem is is for us we we kind of know where everybody everything all the hook points are at but you got to get down there. You're just not going to see it. You have to get down there and actually feel for the hook point. And and if you if it's if it's a truck, it's usually not too bad because they got bumpers and things you can hook on. But a small car, you got to actually get down in front of the wheels and start finding the hook points so that you can pull the car out. Now, yeah. there's a point in time when you're when you're with the customer and you say you're going to do an assessment and say, well, look. Um, the the water went over the hood of the car, right? And it's it's actually flowed up into the dashboard inside and and all over the top of the seats. And you and I both know, Jerry, you've worked on cars long enough and Brian would attest to this. Brian from Automotive Specialists would attest to this. And that car's probably not gonna be fixable. I, I know that's a really hard pill for people to take sometimes, but all the water in top of the motor, in the transmission, over all the electronics that are in the cars today um, just even the even if nothing happened to that, the smell inside the car from the musty water, you and I both know that that car's probably not going to be fixable. It's just not worth it. Um, I guess maybe unless it was your your Mustang, because there's no computers in that, and we could fix the motor pretty quick. So, but you know, so <laughs> anyway, you, you got to you know, maybe it'd be easy to do your Mustang. We could take the interior out, wash it out real quick, put it back in. But today's cars. There's so much stuff inside of them, you're not going to clean them out, ever. I mean, you'd think you might, but that silt just seeps everywhere in there. and It's just it's impossible to get it all out, unless you tear it down 
and it's not generally speaking it's the the car doesn't have that much value um but so anyway right. so you're going to try and get in there underneath the car and you can't just you can't just throw a hook on it and go because rear rear suspension on cars today are really really light you know they're really they're really they're very uh fuel efficiently designed so they have very little weight and very little structure to except to do the job they do which is to hold the tire in place Front ends are are pretty good, but you usually don't get to the front end because people were driving forward and their the front end is off further down the into the ditch than than the back, right? So you get to get to the right. back of it. Um, so you have to reach underneath there and you have to feel for the hook points. You know, well, yeah, the water you're standing in the water now and you're you're trying to kneel down and, and get underneath there and get to the hook point to get it hooked up to get that thing out. Sometimes that's a doable thing. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes you have to find an alternate, you know, cross member or you know, secure point to hook to. And now you're going to try and pull a car out. Okay, so let's say it's a Honda Civic. Just example, Honda Civic guys. I'm not picking on Hondas. Just happened to pop into my mind. <laughs> um, you know that thing. That thing weighs 2,500 to 3,000 pounds. Well, now it's full of water. Now it weighs 7,000 pounds. Now it's full of water and mud. Wow. It weighs nine thousand pounds. Wow! So, so, so now we're now we're trying to figure out how to you know, it's not that the truck can't get it out, but the 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 normal the normal transport tow points are not designed for that type of weight. They're designed to pick the thing up, roll you know, have a rolling load up a truck onto a transport truck, yeah. be be secured yeah. down and go. They're not designed to, to take eight thousand pounds of winch pulling. Dead winch pulling because it's stuck. It not only is it full of mud and water, it's over a berm, which even adds more friction to the job. Unless it was really running, and maybe it would float for us, but usually it won't by now. So, so now you're you're under there trying to figure out how to get to it, and that can be a really complicated uh, procedure to get to. And anybody that does towing knows it. Anybody, anybody that's tried to hook up the tow strap knows it. You know, oh, I'll just hook it here. Yeah. You know, and pink. Uh oh, the bumper tore off. Uh oh, that was a very right. good idea. So, so um, well, what do you, what do you do? You just wait until the water goes down. You know, just I mean, if there's a person in there, it's a different set of rules. I know you got to go get them. You know, I've seen yeah. the big extended buckets. Tell me about what you've actually seen out there, where the fire departments and the other EMS people get involved with getting a person out of this vehicle. Right, so so those guys, um, you're right. They have the the like Tucson Fire has, and so does Northwest, um, Picture Rocks, Marana, um, even um, even um, wow, can't think of the guy who's out by us, the the um, Rural Metro. They have they they have the Rural extended Metro. ladders, Rural Metro, yeah, the extended ladders that that go out. You know, those are the best ways to get them because they can stand way back on dry. And they can reach out, you know, 80 feet to get to the person. And then they can tether down wow. and, and pick them up. You know, walking, they, they used to do the, the walk out there. Um, they try not to do that anymore because it, it's a lot, it takes a lot of time. Um, it's, it's, it's complicated. Um, they, they're, yep. they're really good at it. Those guys are, I gotta give them credit. They're really good at getting people out. After, once they get the people out, you know, um, it's, you're golden, you know. Yeah. That, but they have, you know, it, but if you can't get a ladder truck out to where they're at, because you know they're on the, they're in the wash and it's, you know, all trees and stuff on the banks. They <clears> use, <throat> you know, multiple techniques. They have, you know, uh, ropes and 
clothesline techniques that they use to to recover people. They they do a really good job at it. Um, like I said, I give them credit. Well, I'm, they, um, I we use helicopters too. We use helicopters in search and rescue to like in uh, Sabino Canyon, Tankerberry Falls, and stuff like that. And you know they they actually ha- hover over these people down there, and then they send a guy down on a rope to, uh, in a uh, vest, and they pick them up and bring them straight up and out. And that's the other one. That's the extreme ones. But man, I've seen this go on for forever. But I didn't know how they handled it around Tucson, other than I've seen pictures. You know, on the news where they have the ladder trucks that go out and stuff like that. And I'm looking at that and I'm going, there ain't no way you're getting me on a ladder and shoot me out 80 feet and say, okay, you've got to get this person out of here. That's for the people that have specialized training. That's not for a guy that rides a mule to go get people out of the desert. <laughs> it's, oh. it's just, it's, a, it's amazing to me. What, how the, how, how people actually put, they don't realize that when they get ready to go across that water, okay, if I don't make it, how many people are going to be involved trying to get me out of here? And they're Correct. all first responders. Wow. That, no, I, okay, go you're, ahead. You're absolutely, no, you're absolutely right. Um, somebody thinks, oh, I can do, I mean, because we all get it. Today's a busy world, and and our patience level is pretty much a zero. I can tell you mine is. Um, I, I don't like. I'm the most impatient guy on the planet. Um, but uh, you know, we. I also have enough. I have enough knowledge to know. Hey, this is that's a bad idea. Don't do that. Uh, but yeah. So and because you know we've been driving now in in Tucson, we've been driving around streams now for. Two months, and you know, I'm tired of driving around the stream. I don't want to drive around the stream no more. I just want to go straight home. You know, well, you're right. I make that decision, and how how many people is it going to take to get me out and get me back? So, well, it's for example, I get out there and I get stuck. So now, it's it's the fire guys that come out. It's not just one. There's a whole crew of guys that come out, right? And there's a whole fire oh, yeah. department that comes out to get you. So there's there's five or six guys out there, probably a supervisor out there, a battalion chief. You know, then there's the tow guys that are going to come drag the car out. Oh wait, now now there's now it's going to go to a yard. Now it's your insurance people that are going to deal with that with your car for the salvage. Now it's now it's you having to deal with with all this thing. So that one simple thirty second decision is going to affect you for the next you know thirty days at a minimum, provided oh, yeah. you don't get hurt and nobody else gets hurt, for, for all the stuff you're going to go through now, all the hoops you have to go through and all the expense you're going to have because you, you know, you were going to be impatient. And that's kind of something that people forget about. They're like, well, you know, I, my car got stuck. If I got it fixed, let's say, you know, I rolled it into the wash and I sucked a little water up, you know, or I just stalled it, right? It just stalled for some reason. It only cost $1,000 to fix. Was that, was that, Thirty seconds worth a thousand dollars. The car got washed away, so now I got to buy a new car. Was it worth you know the fifteen thousand dollars? You know, um, was you know, and and these are avoidable situations. They, you you don't have to drive into this situation. And so now the other thing is, Jerry, like you and I have talked about before, we uh, you drive into this situation and you create an emergency circumstance where the first providers, first responders must show up. Well, you know, there's only so many of those guys. 
and bless their hearts, they're doing the best they can. They have they're out there in full force. But you're tying up five guys because you were decided to make a, a bad decision and drive into a wash. What if there's somebody who's down the street who is actually having a heart attack who didn't get the option to not have make that decision? Now you you've tied That's up right. them when somebody else who really could be who has no option. You don't get the option to have a heart attack. It just happens. You know, do as you might. So you've tied up those resources on because of your stupid decision when somebody else might need those resources <laughs> for something that they had no control over. And those are things to think about when you when you think about driving in a wash. <laughs> oh. Well, I'm trying, not, I'm, I'm, I I'm think trying that, not to be the guy that walks on no, water right I, now. Okay, I just these are the things we see. Well, your your first line out there, you know, I talked to you a little bit when I got back from Carolina, and you've been running around pulling people out of washers, getting them out of ravines, and I'm going, wow. I just don't think that most of us actually sit there and think, okay, well, that always happens to Jim. That don't happen to Jerry. And that's just not true. I mean, if I go across, and, you know, it depends on which vehicle I'm driving. If I'm driving my Honda CRV, if there's a mud hole that covers half the road, I'm going to stop and wait until the other traffic clears on the other lane. I'm going to cross that double line, and I'm going around that mess. I'm not going through it. Hydroplaning, I seen a little teeny weeny. It was a uh, Prius the other night. He come through, and I'm going through in a... 8,000-pound diesel, and I'm putt-putting along, and the water's running maybe eight inches or something like that. I know the road. I know exactly what to expect in it because it's only about 10 foot wide, and no big deal. This guy comes through on the other side where the water has puddled more, and I know the road had puddled more. He hit that thing with a little Prius. (laughs) I looked at my rearview mirror. I couldn't even see him. And he, he went on through. I think he actually hit it so fast he skated through to the other side so he could get back to traction because wow. that Prius is on the ground. And I mean, the water coming off of that thing was incredible. And so I watched him in case I needed to call 911 and get it, get some help out there, but he actually made it. That is the exception to the rule, people. Do not do it. Do not do it because, you know, the the water. Keep in mind, these cars, a lot of your little small cars now are turbocharged. They're like my diesel. They're turbocharged. Well, your inlet to the turbocharge, that vacuum cleaner that's sucking air into your engine, is only about 16, 17 inches up off of the ground. So when you go through a water... And you start picking that stuff up, and don't give me that crap about the splash guard up front. Know all about it. Also know that if you slow down or if you speed up, you still have a chance of that turbocharger pulling in water. Water to the engine does not compress. That's where you get into it. And I think Brian alluded to that while I was on vacation. The water does not compress. It will bend rods. It will blow motors. And there ain't nothing you can do. And if you're in the middle of that thing, by the way, it's instantaneous. It's not like you're running out of gas. It goes chug, 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 chug. No, it goes boop, and that's it. The engine is hydrolocked. And when you do that, uh, that's when the real money starts as far as your engine 
Um, it's just, and, and then the water going through. How many of you out there run through these little washers? You say, oh, it's no biggie. I got not. Let's take Jerry. Okay, Jerry's got his big diesel. He drives through the water, and you know it's a little, it's a little deeper. Maybe he shouldn't have done that. Uh, so what kind, what's, what can possibly happen? Well, if you get through the water, and the water comes up into your differential and gets into the breather hole from your differential, and it gets up into your bearings on your on your older four by fours and stuff like that. Do you remember to take it in and have all of that garbage? changed do you remember to take your uh, vehicle in and say okay you know i backed this thing in a lake actually i drove it through a lake and i've got uh potential water problems that's going to come back and get me in six to eight months that's when it starts rusting out because the lubricant in there is now contaminated and you don't you know you don't you don't think about what happens after you go through this stuff now, we expect to see a lot of rain-damage-type vehicles because we've been around for 46 years at Simmons Ford before, and we expect to see these things. You also have the little guys that like to go out in the mountains up at Chiva Falls, as Jim can attest to, and play in the mud. That is just what we do. It's it's not just a man thing either, trust me. <laughs> oh, not oh, yeah, at all. I got a Jeep. Oh, and so, so what are some of the things that you've run up against, like in Chiva Falls with your off-road uh, tow service, Jim? Uh, well, Chiva Falls <laughs> is an interesting place. Um, I've been to Chiva Falls many times. I haven't been there this season, um, maybe because it's too wet. I've been to Charlotte's Gap. I don't know if anybody of you know where Charlotte's Gap is at. Charlotte's Gap is at Catalina State Park up by up on Oracle all the way to the end. Um, and, um, so Charlotte, Chiva Falls, which is a very popular site, um, has, um, um, very, very aggressive, uh, four-wheel drive trail. Um, it's maintained as an aggressive four-wheel drive trail by the forest department, um, because they, the public has desired that they have, that there be an aggressive four-wheel drive trail for their recreation. So they leave it that way. Or enhance it that way. Actually, there's a road. There's the count. The county. The Forest Service actually has a road that actually drives around. It's it's like a bladed road. It's like a super highway that you can just drive right to Chiva Falls. But they have it locked, so you can't drive on it. And I, I always ask the guy. I said, "Can I get the keys so I could just drive around here and get the car out and come back?" And he's like, "No, you have to go through there. You have to go through the fall. You have to go through the gap, and then you have to go to the fall." Um, so right now, I would guess that Chiva is probably incredibly gorgeous. I'll bet it's running. I don't know if you've been there in a long time, but it's got that big granite hole cut in there, and I'll bet that water, that pool at the bottom is probably 20 feet deep, and the water's running over. I'll bet it's, I'll bet it's gorgeous right now. That being sure. said, <laughs> there's, there's a lot. It's, it's, what is it, like, I don't know, seven, eight miles from from Reddington Road all the way to the gap, all the way back to the falls. Um it's a long way. It's a long ways, and it's hours. It's I mean, it's, don't get me wrong. If you're just four wheeling, it's 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 incredibly enjoyable. Um, but in a tow truck, it's not so enjoyable. <laughs> it's it's a lot of work. <laughs> and, and getting stuff up, getting stuff up, and up over that out of the falls, and then back up onto the road. And there's several streams you get across. You know, there's you know that have all probably very, you know, probably deep right now. 
um, that are running. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's. Uh, I know, don't it's think a, it it's would a be lot of work right now. Yeah, uh, you know that road, that bypass road in search and rescue. We are allowed to go uh, to go that road to get back there to get people out. Not to get vehicles out, but to get people out. I have actually ridden that thing on a horse. We can. We actually passed a four-wheel drive club that was going up to Cheva Falls, and we got to that big. Uh, it's a. It's a like a big gully or something that they're trying to get up, and we were riding horses and we climbed up on the bank right beside them, waved at them as we went by, and went on up to Cheva Falls. But that's a long ride, even on a horse. Now, the thing is, we're not going to put a horse, and I've had a horse and water up to the stomach, okay? That's more than I wanted, but there was a reason for us, and when we do it, there was about four of us together, and we assess where it is. We we check, and, you know, we can strap somebody in with a, a rope, and then he can test the depth of the water, but you don't check the depth of water with both feet, if you got a stick or something, one. But if you've got flowing water and it's coming down hard, people, your little 190 pounds is not going to hold back. It will carry you out of there. So, you know, it's just something that that's when I say it's dangerous when you're out there. Search and rescue is inherently dangerous when you're out doing this stuff. We know that. We train for it. The the uh, emergency medical services, they train for it. The fire department, the police department, all of the guys on the first responders know that this stuff is actually dangerous. You go, look, well, there's a little water running across the road. We know what happens when you're going across the road, and they say, well, there's no chance of a flash flood because it's already running. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. Uh, you're correct. Room. Wrong. Absolutely. And uh, when when you you see it running down Tanker Verde Wash, it takes eight hours when it rains on the backside of Mount Lemon to come down to Tanker Verde Wash here in Tucson. So you've got rain that's in from your little side contributors, and it's running, and the wash is running. You think, oh, well, no problem. But you haven't seen a wall of water coming down after you yet. And I'm going to tell you something. If you can get somebody with a drone that can fly over there and take a picture of it and then post it so that you'll get an idea of what a real flash flood looks like. Even the small flash floods that run about a foot and a half to two foot, they hit at such a velocity, they just take you out. I mean, they take your car. They move your car. I don't care if you're driving a three-quarter ton Dodge truck. It'll take that, too, because it gets up to the body of the truck, which is the dam, and the dam will not hold back that water. So, you know, it's just something to keep in mind. Okay, go ahead, Jim. I'm done. <laughs> All right, we got a well, caller. Let's go to the, let's go with the caller. Uh, we got Stu on the line. Stu, good morning. Hey, Welcome well, to the show. Morning. I have, I just bought a 2014 Ford F-150, and every once in a while I sit at a stoplight, and my oil gauge goes down the low, and my oil indicator light comes on. What does that mean? What year is this again? What does that mean? What year is this again? Turn the radio off. 2014? Okay. 
Turn your radio off, uh, Steve. We've got a lot of back feed on it. All right, I got her. Uh, it's a 2014. Okay, 2014 F-150. And when you're sitting there, you go low. What motor does it have? An Echo Boost? Uh, no, it has the Flex Fuel. I think it's a 5.4. Oh, okay, 2014. Okay. Uh, you got low oil pressure. It's time to get it in and verify that oil pressure. Okay. Because if you've got a pump going out, or and that's normally what happens, or you need to verify if it's the pump or is it the sender that's uh, giving you the information. You you you've got to know that on that motor because I'll tell you when that. How long has that been doing it? Um, since I bought it, and I told him about it. How I have long? to make a. Uh, I just bought it maybe a month ago. Uh huh. I, no, you take it into your favorite garage. Uh, what part of town do you own? I'm in the Northwest Valley. Northwest Valley. Take it by Brian's place over at uh, uh, Automotive Specialist and tell him the same thing you just told me. But you do not want to get in trouble with that five point uh, that Triton engine uh, because they are known for taking out uh, cam towers and stuff like that. You have to get it in. I'm, I'm telling you this because you say you've had it a month. You're running on yeah. the goodwill of that engine. Go in and verify and find out why that oil pressure is varying like that. It only takes about seven pounds of oil on some of the old motors to actually keep them running. However, that's not recommended because normally that seven pound, I run a 427 Ford as a stock car. It idled at seven pounds of oil pressure, but when you hit the accelerator, it went to 60, okay? So, you know, that's what kept me from blowing it up because most of the time you're driving a stock car, you're at full throttle or almost there, and uh, you're not, that's not your situation. You find out what's going on with that thing, buddy, or you're going to spend a bunch of money on it. Get a second opinion. If it's still under warranty from the car place, which is, is it more, is it, did you buy, you bought it as a used vehicle, right? Yes. I got the extended warranty. Did you, okay. You, you go in and you find out from a reputable garage that's been around three or four hundred years like Brian has and Simmons and Mike Parker over at Parker Automotive. You get this thing checked out. You get it verified. We have ways to find out, is it a sensor? Is it the oil pressure? If it's your oil pressure, You've got to take, dig a little deeper in the well, man, and find out what's going on with this because you do not want that stay like that. The engine will not last if it's an oil delivery problem, okay? All right. All right. Thank you. All right, buddy. In other words, as Brian says, test first. Don't guess. This is not a game you want to play with the oil because the oil's like blood to a body, Okay. All right. All right. Thanks for thanks for the call, Steve. Good luck with that, buddy. But get it checked out. Yep. You're not going to like the end results if it is truly an oil pressure problem. All right. Seven one nine fourteen ninety. Seven one nine fourteen ninety. Anything you want to add to that, Jim? Uh, no, you said it exactly right. Um, if the if it goes up and down, you know you gotta. Well, there's, if when there's no oil, it's, you're right. It's the lifeblood. Zero um, oil is just as bad. This is no oil. <laughs> it'll 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 ruin the bearings just as easy. Um, but yeah, you're yes, it uh, will. living on borrowed time. Living on borrowed time. 
Yeah, get that thing checked out. All right, right, 719-1497. What? Oh, I was just going to say, you're going to be riding down the road, and it's going to stop in the middle of the road, and then you're not going to – it's going to be a bad day. It's going to be a bad day, especially when you take it in, and it's something that could be prevented. Uh, the damage, you know, you, 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 no, you just got to find out why it's doing what it's doing. And, you know, and, and like I said, there's tests for this stuff. I don't know who you've been using, Steve, as a garage, but I'm assuming it's a good one. Uh, go in and tell them exactly that. And don't, and if the garage that you went in said, oh, well, it'll, it'll be okay. That's bull crap. You go find out what's causing it. Okay. I've been around 46 years in the auto repair industry. I've seen these things that forward. You do not play, you don't play games with any of them that have that. You have to know, is it the oil pressure or is it the oil sender? You have to know. And they'll take that electronic stuff off and put a manual gauge on it and then they'll measure it and find out what's going on for you. And then, you can uh, breathe a little bit. But until then, I wouldn't breathe too much. I wouldn't drive it too much either. I'd get it in and get it checked out. That's how serious this thing is. All right, 719-1490. Any questions you have, we're going on about uh, what can happen and some of the things that Jim's seen out there as a first responder to water situations where cars are in the water. You have situations where a car's in the water. You have a situation where people are in the car that's in the water or in the truck or on top of the truck. And we're trying to tell you some of the things that uh, has to happen in order to get you out of that situation. So, all right, Jim, go ahead, buddy. We had two well, inches of rain this morning. I'm sorry? It's a, We've had two inches of rain. It's still raining at my place. So um, go ahead. It's warm. Go ahead just a little bit so, deeper in the water. <laughs> so, yeah, so, you you know, you were talking about turbochargers, Jerry. You know, it hadn't even, I hadn't even thought about that. Um, when you're driving, when you're driving through the water with the, with the turbocharger, um, you're right. It's, it's a big vacuum cleaner. You know, as, as Jerry knows, um, a normal engine, unlike a normal um, V8 engine, takes what uh, about 350 cfm at idle, 200 cfm at idle, and 600 at at full throttle, something along those lines. Um, it takes 11,000 11, gallons of air for one gallon of gasoline. That'll give you an idea how much air is moving. But that turbo. And I don't know. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> that turbocharger, it's, I mean, when that turbocharger has the ability to suck the air from from a lot of area and bring it in, right? So you, you've driven, you've taken your vacuum cleaner and you've ran it over the rug and it sucked it up. Well, that's what it does with the water. And you're right, Jerry. It, you don't even have to be that close to the water for it to start sucking it in, even. Even if it just grabs the top of the top of the water off, you know, just starts grabbing in not of like a full amount, but starts grabbing off droplets, you know. So the water is now the air is now saturated with water, and that has a detrimental effect. And then eventually, if you get the farther you go, it sucks it in like gangbusters because well, the point of the turbocharger is to increase the air to the car so that you have more power. Usually, turbos boost them what. Six to eight psi, maybe increasing the airflow fifty percent 
40, 50 percent to get the to get the you know to get your um, to get your boost up to get your power up. That, that sounds about right. That's right. Yep, so, and then it'll fill up the air box where your filter is, and then once it gets that air box, the filter is going to say, "Okay, here we come. Here comes the garbage. We got to take care of the garbage." Water is garbage to an air filter. Now, if you take an air filter and you hose it down, that's the reason, uh, like on oil changes, on or air filters like the K&N air filters that are oil soaked. That's the reason when you clean them out and <laughs> with the, you soak them and you clean the uh, filament out, you have to let them set 24 hours to make sure it's really dry because you can. It has to breathe. If it don't breathe, that turbocharger doesn't care. It will pull it right through into the turbocharger because it's wet. It's a gauze filter. It's going to come apart while it's wet and with that much suction on it. And then you're going to have additional problems. And it, it, you, you got turbo problems then. You're going to have engine problems then. So I can't stress enough about, hey, don't. It, you don't go to the water with a turbocharger. It's going to say, all right, now we can suck some water like a shop vac does. When you've got water leak around the house or something, you use a shop vac to pick it up. If you have a cleaning agency to come in to take care of the water where the water heater is broke or something like that, they use the same thing as a shop vac, a lot of power to pick up water. Well, they're not sticking it. They're sticking it in a big container. They're not sticking it in that motor that's operating on the top of that thing or the the lines that are actually pulling it to it. They've got a reservoir. The only reservoir you have is a little air filter box where the air filter's stuck in it. Trust me, it don't hold water long because you've got a turbocharger saying, okay, well, we're just going to, it's going to bypass. We'll just suck it in. Walla, you got a problem. And, right. and you're right. It sucks, it, it sucks it in right now. And it, it don't take much. It, it's not like a vac, shop vac that can keep sucking the water in. It sucks in, you know, a quart or a pint, and you're, it's all done. You're done. So that and the water it, flows right through. All the it needs to do is get to one piston. One piston. What? One piston. One piston. It hydrolocks, and nothing moves because water does not compress. Okay. All right. And now, what else are we going to? Uh, all right. I got another question. Now, of course, COVID uh, is, is we've been dealing with that the last couple of years. And I got to thinking, uh, what do you do? How do you train your guys to deal uh, and stay safe? <coughs> Excuse me. While you're actually, let's say that I, I come in, or I call you, and I say, okay, I got my diesel stuck in the water. I need you to come and get it out. All right? You know me. You know that I've already had all my shots and stuff like that. But, unfortunately, it's really not the top of somebody's bucket list to say, okay, you can come and get my vehicle. And uh, the first thing you have to be conscious of, because you've got personnel that you're putting in, for lack of a better word, harm's way. How do you handle something like that? I mean, what's your, what's your procedures or your policy on that uh that's a great question <laughs> so so yeah so COVID has has altered the way we have to interface with customers and just like customers interface with us you know interface with you so you get a you get uh -huh. a car you know now it's 
it's um you have to ask hey uh it, it has dro- it had dropped a little bit but now it's starting to creep back up so we have to go back to asking hey is it uh are you have are you been vaccinated are you have you had covid symptoms in the last um week or month and you know so right, norm- right. right now normally you've been getting a you've been getting a um a uh, a no answer but because we transport a lot of uh, vehicles that transport personnel, we have to ask them too. So for example, like the sun vans or the the medical transport people, they all they transport sure. people all the time. The county has got so we told the county vehicles, right? We're the contractor for the county, and the county had this this program. <laughs> call it whatever you want. They had um, a program. It was actually on their website. Um, so they came up with this plan to take volunteers they wanted people to volunteer who had valid driver's license to drive around the county van now mind you because the county employees wouldn't do this they wanted they wanted Mm -hmm. volunteers to come around and drive the county van to transport the uh migrants or immigrants or whatever um who who are who are code positive because they needed to go to appointments. Not sure what appointments right. they needed to go to. Maybe they needed to go to medical appointments. Maybe they needed to go to the store, shopping. I don't know. So they so they load the van. From what I understand, they load the van up with, you know, five people or so. And then you get in the van and you drive it around, right? So now for us, okay. I, I don't know who would sign up for this program. I just It seems very bizarre. But um, at any rate, so now we're like, okay. So was this vehicle used to transport COVID positive personnel? Because if it was, has it been disinfected? You know, did you know? Right. So you're, for example, they're, and and generally speaking, not. You're driving it down the road and it breaks down. So okay, yeah. so now they have to send another van to pick up those people, and then and that van gets left, right? Or somebody waits with it, one of the two. Right. So now you have to ask. Right. Hey, has that? Is it? Is it? Is it full inside? You know, if it is and it hasn't been disinfected, our procedure is okay. No problem. Lock it up and we'll tow it up and we'll set it down and then we'll when we get to the facility wherever it's going. Hey, by the way, this vehicle was used to transport or had COVID positive vehicles and please take appropriate measures. Um, we're not. Getting right. uh, I'm not getting in the car. I'm not sending my people to get in the car. I'm not doing anything like that. We're gonna. We're gonna. Yeah. Trust me, we can get the car on the truck without the keys, without it in, with it in gear. It don't matter. We we're really good at it. We we move cars all day long locked up. So we'll move those too. I'd rather I'd rather scoot the truck up the bed. We have we have um, devices that we put under the wheels to make them slide. We have these. They have these. They're called skates. They're plastic skates. They slip. It actually rides the tires up on the skate, and the skate rides along the bed or on the on the parking lot. So it just it just scoots right. right up the truck. And we we get there, we can set it down. Same procedure, set it down, um, and then we're absolved. You know, we we didn't get around it. We used gloves. By the way, we're using gloves all the time, anyways. We use gloves. Yeah. Um, in in our work because of um the the. The chains and the and the equipment we use is a very oh, yeah. hot, oh yeah, incredibly oh, yeah. hot, and it's it's jagged and <laughs> it's cars. It's it's hard when you're working underneath the cars. You know you you right. can't you can't. You, it's greasy. Okay, it's greasy, so you so you wanna, you you use all all the safety precautions that's recommended for 
uh, like COVID. You have to assume that, okay, this thing, uh, you know, like the steering wheel, and I'm glad to hear that you actually tell the place you're towing it to it, like Specter Minor Road or something like that, so that they can, uh, they'll have a heads up on it. We assume at Simmons that uh, when they come in, uh, you know, they get steering wheel covers, seat covers, and all of this. And, but we wipe it down before we even do that. I mean, we wipe down the places that people are going to touch door handles, uh, steering wheels, gear shift, uh, levers and turn signals. You know, of course people don't use turn signals anymore. So, uh, but we still wipe it down just in case they do. <laughs> so you're right. They don't use them. All right. It's important for us to, to communicate that to a shop or anybody for that matter, you know, we've set this vehicle down, you know, please, please be aware, you know, we've, it, it's locked up so you can't get inside of it. Right. Um, right. Please be aware that this, this could have potentially COVID positive germs inside, you know, and then yeah. when we, when we t- relinquish the keys to somebody else, because so now we've basically given the chain of custody over to the other person, make sure you tell whoever you get this to, you know, write it down, Put the keys in your pocket. Don't let them in it until you send somebody out there to clean it, or you know, you or some of the dealerships actually have the you know the they have a lot of everybody has got the spray, but a lot of them have the you know the 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 basically the green sprayer thing, and they just spray them down like you know like a like steam cleaner. Spray that down like you're degreasing the car. So right, which is fine, you know. Well, the first. Yeah, and then you got to be sure to wash your hands after you get through handling this thing. Uh, oh, of course, that's that's interesting. But uh, towing some of the uh, stuff around, you know, uh, you know, people need to uh, just pay attention, uh, especially with wash your hands, wash your hands good, and um, use the mask. Uh, right now, you know, you've got part of the people that can use the masks. Uh, if you've been vaccinated, you don't have to use it. Blah blah blah. Uh, but when you're older and you're in the high risk, uh, I don't see anything wrong with people wearing masks. I don't, you know, I still see them in grocery stores and stuff like this. I don't, uh, I don't have a problem with that whatsoever. But when you look at the automotive repair industry and you see, okay, we've got these vehicles coming in. We don't know who drove them. I mean, we know who drove them. We don't know. We're not going to ask, did you have your shots? They no, won't you're right. I, I'm not asking that. You know, and yeah, and it, it gets real tricky. So you have to assume that it's potentially COVID. It could be COVID infected. You know, it's just like almost like diabetes. Most people that have type two diabetes don't even know it. So you know, it, it's just something that you have to anticipate. All right, this uh, we're running out of time at this hour. Uh, this portion of the show has been brought to you by. Spectrum Ina Road Auto Collision. Um, they're setting at 4425 West Ina Road. The phone number is 744-4454. And they also, uh, I was talking to Javier, and they do the same thing that most of your repair facilities do now when they get a vehicle in. We have to assume that it could be possibly COVID virus uh, located somewhere in the car. So, and we've got to spray to spray them down. And um, 
you know, and we take care of it too. Uh, Spectrum does the same thing. So if you have a collision or you need to have a vehicle towed in uh, for a paint job or something like that, Spectrum Minor Road Auto Collision, absolutely excellent. And matching the paints and fixing the repairs. Uh, keep in mind, there's a shortage of parts still <laughs> that we have to deal with. So may not be as quick as what you thought it would be, but uh, just be patient because I was in there when they were actually trying to track down parts, and um, they were like two weeks out and stuff like that of coming in. So Spectrum Minor Road Auto Collision, 744-4454. All right, we're out of time for the first hour, or we should be. Andrew, where are we at on the hour? Uh, you guys got one minute left. Oh, good. Well, Jim can talk for one minute. I can talk for one hour. <laughs> Um, in fact, Jim can talk for one hour also. <laughs> well, I don't know. Can I talk for a whole hour? Uh, I didn't talk the whole hour. So, sure, one minute. Sure. So if, if you guys are out there driving around and you break down, give us a call. Do me a favor. Don't get, if, if you get drunk and you need a ride home, call us. We'll come get you. Uh, let, let me through, put that PSA out there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Good. <laughs> Good. If, if you're sitting at home, uh, if you're if you're if you if, if you guys are okay. if you're if you're if you're drinking at and and you because it's raining and you're and you and you, and it's it's the indoor activity that you enjoy. Good for you. You want if you need a ride. That's home, right. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, we're out of time on the first hour. Join the second hour. We'll be right back in two or three minutes. Seven one nine fourteen ninety. And we can go to anything that you have a problem with on the vehicle. Uh, just give us a call. We'll be right back after these messages.